the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This program is sponsored by Amplify Peace. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to Amplify Peace. We are all about exploring how we can listen, learn, and live differently in this crazy world. Well, together, we want to discover the impact of empathy, the strength of unity, the power of love, and the beauty of humanity. I'm your host, Lisa Jernigan. And actually, this is a this is a special show because it's a part two of a part one, which means you need to go back. I'm not going to say you need because I hate when people say you need to. I'm going to say <laughs> highly encourage you to go back and listen to part one with our guest today, Trisha Shank, who if you listen to part one of it, you're going to hear and learn some incredible insights about Gen Z, that generation. So if you're a parent of a Gen Z person, which we learned on the first podcast, the age range. So I'm going to, I'm going to put that out there. You need to listen to the show to get that. Or if you're a Gen Z person, or if you are, you know, a family member or you're in the church and you're like, how do I communicate with this generation? What are they looking for? What do they want? I highly recommend that you listen to part one with Trisha Shank, um, who has brought so much research, but is also a Gen Zer herself. So today on this show, um, what we're going to do is part two. And we left off, last time we left you, we were with you, mm-hmm. we left off with the question because, Tricia, you had uh, explained to people that in your research of Gen Z and that you discovered that they were asking uh like each generation asks a spiritual question and yeah. I'm going to ask you to share what all the, the, the generations are asking, yeah. but you said specifically for Gen Z, they're asking, is it beautiful? So yes. again, tell us for those that are new to this, this podcast, this mm-hmm. part two, a little bit about you, yes. why this, and then let's unpack that and share what each generation, and then let's specifically talk about what is beautiful. Yes. Can you remember all that? Yes, I will do my best. I will do my best. If I miss anything, just tell me. All right. um, yes, like you said, my name is Trisha. I am from the big city of Washington, D.C., which makes some people celebrate with joy and some people shudder in fear. Um, but I am so glad to be where I am, um, that God has me where I am. I work at a church in the city. Um, I'm full-time on staff here, but previously in a previous life, um, I was a researcher for a social impact agency here um, and did a lot of faith and social um, just research, but also kind of seeing how faith played a role in social change. So that was my previous life when I was 21 and 22, and now I'm 23 um, working at a church, and I love it, love it, love it so much. Um, it's a huge blessing in my life. Um, but I yes, say, we, you're, I got to interrupt you because yeah. you're 
23. It's your ripe old age of 23, <laughs> but you're 23 going on 55. Oh, <laughs> pretty wise with your life experience, with your insight and with your wisdom. You. And so I just got to put that disclaimer because Thank you. I don't want anybody to credit when you say I'm 23, because I have learned so much from you mm-hmm. and I love how you think Thank you. Um, and you take us on a journey and the insight. So um, you're, you're 20 way beyond your years of 23, but I love the youthfulness you bring you. to the conversations, but I love the wisdom and insight you also bring. So I just had to put that disclaimer in there. Yeah. Anyone? Thank okay, you. Keep going. I, yeah. I used to actually funny anecdote. I used to not, when I was doing more um, professional work, I wouldn't usually say or introduce myself by my age. I mean, I don't think many people do that, but me, especially I wouldn't because a lot of people did think I was older than I was. And I would be really insecure about saying how old I was because I thought it, I would be discredited for how old I was, but um, praise be to God because he so encouraged me in the age that, um, I am in and was in, um, just by, I remember reading a passage in Jeremiah and it says, um, God says to Jeremiah, do not say, um, I am only a youth, um, for I'm with you to deliver you. And I took that and I was like, okay, Lord, you are with me to deliver me. I will not say I'm only however old I am. So, um, yeah, I feel very emboldened, um, at the age I am. Um, So yeah, we were talking about Gen Z in the last podcast. And just as a quick refresher, Gen Z, um, this is sometimes contested, but roughly uh, they were born between 1997 and 2012. So we're looking at ages 11 to 26. And if you are anti-generational labels, you can say young people (laughs) instead of Gen Z. That's okay too. Um, It's pretty general, generally accepted. Um, but yeah, we were talking about how just Gen Z um, has just is a beautifully ripe generation. Um, but yeah, today we wanted to talk about um, this generational theory um, that has been applied spiritually. Um, and I'll credit Dr. James Chung of InterVarsity. I was at a conference and he spoke on um, applying spiritual questions to a specific generational theory that gave generational archetypes to American generations going back to the civil war and previously. Um, and so, yeah, he is the one that I credit with this, but, um, yeah. So as Lisa said, there are kind of four repeating questions that repeat every four generations. And we already mentioned, um, Gen Z is asking what is beautiful, Um, But I'll kind of go back each generation to say what the other questions are as well. So Gen Z is asking what is beautiful. Millennials, so the generation before Gen Z, are asking what is good. And that's actually really interesting because we see a lot of millennials being motivated also by causes. And so asking who's doing the good in the world? How do I get involved in doing good? Um, And then Gen X before millennials, they were asking what is real. They were looking for authentic life stories um, to follow after. Um, and then boomers um, are asking what is true. They want to know what's true um, and how to build their life around that truth um, and defend that truth. And so that's what boomers are asking. So these questions, what is true? What is real? What is good? What is beautiful? These are questions that were applied spiritually, but the generational archetypes, really, really quick thing on generational theory. 
This is an American generational theory that um, is from uh, the researchers Strauss and Howe. And they named every four generations go through these four archetypes. And it's the prophet, the nomad, the hero, and the artist. And so going back to what we just said spiritually, Gen Z would be the coined the artist generation. Um, Yes, I could go deeper into generational theory, but I don't want to lose our listeners. So um, yeah, Gen Z asking what is beautiful. And I once spoke on this, um, just kind of explaining this to a group of people I was with um, for my previous professional work. And people were captivated to know that Gen Z is asking what is beautiful. They're looking for beauty. Beauty matters to them. And I think this can slowly evolve into a conversation of what is beauty, um, which that's a whole another conversation we could go down. But um, I think it's critical to know that this generation's asking this question because that changes your ministry. That changes your um, how you engage with younger people. This changes how you see church. This changes how you um, reach out to them, what they're talking about, how you engage, et cetera. And so it's just, I think it's really important because if you are trying to reach Gen Z with maybe, um, I think cold, hard facts may not be, it, it will get some, but it may not get them all. And so it's really interesting to see a generation seeding for beauty, not just in, um, images or aesthetics, but also, um, when they're walking into a coffee shop, it matters or just things like that. So yeah, that's kind of a broad jump into that question. So would you say for like, even let's say the church world, but you see this outside, like environments matter to Gen Z. Oh yeah. Oh so, yeah. Like even in the church. And, and I always joke about because environments matter to me. And I always talk about it's my feng shui. Like I can yeah, walk yeah. into a store and know if I want to stay and shop there. Right. Sure. I walk into a restaurant and I know where I want to sit, like what feels good, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's, I can take in it all. And and so I think there's something there. Like we, it's how a place makes us feel too. Yeah. Where we, our soul is kind of, you know, rested and can engage. So what would you say about that with, because I, I love what you said, you know, they're not so much about the facts, facts mm-hmm. matter, mm-hmm. but it's the beauty around that. So how, how does that translate? into the church world sure. and like what what should we be thinking about as we're designing as we're yeah. creating mm-hmm. environments yeah absolutely um well Lisa you and I had a conversation previously and something that I couldn't get off my mind we were talking about church and um was the phrase which it just popped into my head but the phrase engage the artists um I think there's been a loss in some church worlds um, and just church buildings even and conversations that lack an artist's voice. Um, and I think that is really critical, not just to what the color on the church walls are. Like, it's not just about that really at all. It's about how are you thinking about how art makes you think and contemplate the truth of scripture and how it depicts Jesus and what he's done and how it depicts the word of God. And I think um, it's 
sometimes some church environments have lost contemplation and art can really lead um lead the contemplative mind sometimes and i think that's really critical um so i think i would say engage the artist who who has an artist's mind in your congregation or in your small group or in your ministry or in your community too maybe it's somebody outside the church which is sometimes a scary thing for churches to think about um that feel unwelcome in the church because i think there's a part of that too of um artists i love my artist friends and i have some artist desire and creativity in me but it's i'm not that dedicated but some friends i think the the almost the worst thing that an artist can think about is trying to fit inside a box and i think we as a church are often like it's got to fit in the box right um and i and think it's got to be mass produced it's got to be mass produced and we've got to make sure that um it's all kosher and that we are just like i don't know that we don't misstep and i think if we are walking in the will of god if we're walking under the will of under the authority of scripture there's so much freedom to to express what god is teaching you through painting a picture or by having that conversation of um what does this how does this music lead you to a place of contemplation just those conversations are so critical um yeah so i'd say engage the artists um don't be afraid of them um too i said this with gen z as well don't be afraid of gen z but also to talk to gen z but also don't be afraid to talk to the artists because they will see differently than somebody who has um who is so deep in head knowledge of theology which is so critical i think we think we have to be one or the other we have to have the theological head knowledge or we have to have the creative free spark of the holy spirit and those are not anti each other we actually need both in the church and we have both in the church but i think some churches have tried to isolate to one or the other so oh i think i think you're so right we we do either or instead of and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. this and and when when you first brought this up to me several months ago about is it beautiful I literally have been looking at life it, through the lens of beauty. Mm-hmm. And I think about it, it takes me back to the garden. Mm-hmm. When God created the garden, it was beautiful. Things yes. were growing. They were green. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when sin entered, then decay starts. Mm-hmm. And we start we start seeing things diminish and yeah. turn brown that would normally be green. And um, how do we recapture that beauty mm-hmm. that is who God is and he is creator yeah. and he is creating. Yeah. And um, it's not, he created, he is constantly creating. Yeah. And so how do we join him in creating beauty in this world physically through conversation, through relationships, but sure. even, and this is really this word you have really <laughs> This informs like peacemaking yeah. because the work of peacemaking is to restore shalom yeah. for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What does it look back to go back to when things were whole and complete, like in the garden? Yeah. That's where it was beautiful. Yeah. So if we're living in that shalom of God. 
it is a beautiful world. It's yeah. a beautiful place. So how do we start getting back to that place of beauty? And I love what you said, because if you really think about it, how does an artist feel like they really fit into the faith community? Mm-hmm. We have not created intentionally spaces yeah. for artists to express because a lot of times, like you said, it's messy and we don't know what to do with it. Yeah, them. totally. They think differently. Oh my goodness. And so how do we, how would you advise to church leaders, parents, even parents, yeah, yeah, a child, yeah. or just you have a friend? How do we start understanding the mind of an artist? Yeah. There are so many ways this conversation could go. Um, I think I some, can we do like I, part three, part four, part five? Yes, yeah, honestly, let's just just keep doing. <laughs> let's keep part. it going. I don't. Um, I don't think our sound engineer Roman will mind. No, not at all. I think he's okay. Um, <laughs> well, something that comes to mind when you say that is, I think often it's funny because I feel like often art will stop um, at in the church at like coloring pages for kids. We're like, this is great for Sunday school, but later it's like, there's no, there's no outlet. There's no expression or available expression. And um, yeah, it can, it can just be messy. And I think there's a lot of fear around that. Um, But I think a huge thing, if you want to understand beauty, art, anything in the context, in the spiritual context, start at God's word. Like you were saying, start at Genesis one, (laughs) start at um, the language of scripture, which is ultimate beauty, which God does not withhold beautiful language from us. He uses his word breathed out is romantic and powerful. And I Yes, it's just, I would say if you are looking for how to engage art in your communities, start at God's word and start by reading the Psalms, start by reading Genesis 1, start by reading John 1, start by reading, just, there's so, scripture in its whole is beautiful. And I think that's what really, I mean, for me, as a Gen Zer, as a young person, also a young person who had a beautiful encounter with Jesus in college. I am so like God's word was the first thing that fed me and opened my eyes. And I think if we are introducing that and how beautiful that is and have people who are, who believe in the beauty of scripture, um, just looking at that and looking at that language and being like, yes, art has a place in the church. Yes, art has a place in the church because, and beauty has a place um, for Gen Z because God has called his, he has called Zion the one that he will crown with beauty. Like what? Mm -hmm. Like that's so key. Um, So I know that some of that is practical. Some of that is Trisha rambling. But I would say, um, again, to what I said, engage the artist, ask questions, um, just talk to your community in church, outside of church about how to portray beauty in the church and how to make spaces of contemplation and how to um, really see that design matters to God. Um, design matters not just of the building, but just even of your spaces. And that doesn't mean spend every last penny on um, an art room or something like that. But it really just means 
um, thinking differently about it. I think that's the first step too, is where's beauty in our church? Where's beauty lived out in our church, in our small group, in our, in our home? I think too, um, yeah, it just, it matters to God and I think it should matter to us. And it clearly matters to Gen Z, which I think also should matter also because so many conversations I have with people about Gen Z is they're just like scared, scared straight about this generation. They are just like, are we going to lose them? Are they not coming to church anymore? Or like, are they lost? And I would say, no, they're just looking, (laughs) they're just looking. Um, And I, yeah, just want to encourage people that Gen Z is not a hopeless generation. Um, They're just looking for something to align behind and with and, um, I think we know what is the best and most beautiful and most sturdy and most worthy of causes. Um, and that's the person of Jesus. And so, yes, that was a, that's a little long-winded. <laughs> no, I, I, you, you took us on a journey, which is beautiful to think about beauty in a different way. It's, and it's yes. a mindset shifting. A yes, lot of, yeah. if you because it goes back to that saying, you, you see what you're looking for, sure. or you find yeah. what you're looking for, right? So if you're looking for beauty, you're going to find beauty. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for, you know, like to be critical, you'll find, you'll find things that are, aren't good. Right. Yeah. But what yeah. if we change that thing? I, I want to be a part of even creating beauty. Yeah. I want to find beauty, but I want to be a part of creating beauty yeah. inside the church, because if any place should be a place of beauty, and holiness, it should be the church. And I don't mean just the physical building, but it should be the church, right? Yeah. Um, expressing the beauty and the love of Jesus to a world, to and it's especially a generation that's going, we're so looking for this. Where can we yeah. find this? And as they're searching for that, for something to give their life to that matters, mm-hmm. as they're searching to find beauty, there's no better place than in the faith community and the church, if we would just rise up and go, we want to be that place. We want to be those people. Right. And I think that's a great opportunity for us to do that and to think differently with that. Yeah. And I think this also, I forgot to mention this, but this also matters culturally. This matters, like, how are you representing culture and how are you building the culture of your church? Like the different culture, how are you engaging the different cultures of your church and how are you creating a culture in your church. Um, and then also it engages musicians too. I often, my mind goes to like art, paint, drawing, but it's, and which is powerful expression, but also music and musicians. And that doesn't mean having a top tier band. That doesn't mean having electronic instruments. It, it can look different depending on your context and, and depending on um, just what the, skills in your church are, et cetera. But I think music too is just, it's needed in the church and it, it, it is a function of beauty. Um, yeah. So I just wanted to make sure I mentioned those two things. No, I think that's so good because sometimes we even limit mm-hmm. our, our perception of what beauty is. It has to be yeah. art or paints. And it's like, no, the arts are, it's so much more than that. Right. Yeah. I, uh, my good friend, Alan Hirsch, um, he's written several books, but he talked in one of his, I can't remember which one, but how really the language and the way the Bible was written more as poetry. 
Yes. And we, we don't, we've lost kind of the poetry, right? Like appreciating poetry. And yet that was kind of the language of the Bible. Yes. Even that's beauty and that's art, right? How we even write and frame things and um, kind of getting back to some of that. And And what you said too, is it kind of creates a contemplative life more. Yeah, I was just reading a book by Richard Foster, and he talks about it's, um, oh, it's his book, Sanctuary of the Soul. And he talks about how engaging poetry in your prayer life, too, is critical because poetry is something it does, like, it slows you down because there's a lot of different tools that poets are using in their language that make you think slower than just like reading a sentence, I ate ham today. Like that doesn't slow me down as much as the ham on the table created something within me that I didn't understand. Something like that, you know, like poetry is also a powerful vessel for beauty in the church and in prayer. And I had never thought about that before. I have a friend who is crazy gifted in writing poetry and she's a beautiful believer. And she just, yeah, can express things in poetry that I just, I am captivated by. And even I think she was in a, in a program with um, some non-believers. And I think they were engaged in enraptured by the way she wrote because it was, it was influenced by her faith. And it was just like, whoa, like that's just something I haven't even thought about before. Well, it was probably intriguing and it was authentic. It, yeah. it hit all the boxes, right? Yes. It's like, yeah. okay, you, you got me. This is yeah. engaging. I can't thank you enough for this conversation. Um, I, I just, it. You, every time I talk to you, <laughs> I walk away wanting to think differently and thinking differently and pondering it long after the conversation is over. Yeah. So I can't wait. One of the things that I read just the other day about uh, about art a little bit was talking about going into a museum, art museum. Yeah. And spending time on a painting, mm-hmm. not just looking at it for 30 seconds, but like standing in front of it and really engaging to see what is the artist trying to say? And what do I see in this painting that is you let your mind go? And I mm-hmm. thought that's a good exercise, even kind of help retrain your our brains, right? To see beauty, yeah. to see what's behind the beauty and the why of the beauty. So yeah. um, that can be a challenge for all of us. Like when you see a painting, when you see a picture... What do you really see? And kind of go on a journey with your mind. Well, as always, we want to thank you for being a part of this podcast and the Amplify Peace community. For more information on living as a peacemaker in today's world, connect with us at AmplifyPeace.com and you can follow us on all social media. Shalom. This program was sponsored by Amplified Peace. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.